1: What's up, friends? Welcome back to another episode of NFT365. Excited to be bringing you a little bit of, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some you know, fun data aspects, but not, you know, geeky data that I know I end up sometimes kind of uh, going down that rabbit hole. Rather, we're going to talk the data that... Uh, many of us maybe just showed up on our dashboard the last couple of days, or maybe some of us have not noticed, uh, and that's the data that has been updated, uh, and really just the interface updates over there at OpenSea. And you know, I'm a big fan uh, of you know calling out you know products and services when they need to update and modify and uh, adjust. But I'm uh, also an equal big fan of celebrating you know products and services that are updating, that are adapting, and that are embracing uh, some of the things that we know that we need. Um, as, a, as a community. So uh, we're going to jump into that. But before we do so, uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, Crypto Business Conference. Crypto Business Conference is happening in October, October 9th to the 11th in beautiful San Diego, California. If you're into NFTs, metaverse, crypto, uh, crater coins, all of those things will be discussed uh, on a, at a single track event happening at the San Diego Convention Center. i will talk a little bit more about that at the end of the podcast. So excited to uh, have that conversation. Of course, you know, we are buying an NFT every single day for a year, and uh, we're going to do our throwback NFT today, and our throwback NFT today is actually back to May 26th, and uh, this is a shout-out to Jeremy Fall and the Probably Nothing team. Uh, we added to our collection uh, it is the Photosynthesis NFT, and what I think is uh, really cool about this project is that, you know, it's about you know giving flowers. It's about being able to celebrate uh, and, and share uh, with others, but it's also, you know, a collection building upon a bigger collection, uh, a bigger, uh, you know, really a bigger, let's just say enterprise uh, for no better way to say it. I know Jeremy and the the Probably Nothing team are also working with uh, Warner Music, and they also dropped another project that we added to our collection uh, with, uh, you know, Stickmen and a couple other projects that are out there. But I, I thought it was a great one to throw back on because it's also one that you know, when we look at the data or the interface that is available to us, um, we can oftentimes you know kind of either jump to conclusions or you know it's it's a good place to, to kind of start. So I'm going to actually jump into uh, you know the, the the podcast as far as you know some of the things that we want to look at. I'm going to talk about some of the updates that we saw um, to the open face uh, to open face to open sea uh, interface, and we're going to kind of talk about you know what that what that means, some of the things that we just need to be aware of, and and really how we can really. think about you know some of the the changes uh, as a whole and so the first one that you know you might have noticed, there's a couple different ones, right? The homepage of OpenSea has changed, um, but probably the most, you know, I'd say visible change is actually on individual collections. So, you know, when we're looking at a collection like photosynthesis, and you of course go to the the photosynthesis uh, OpenSea homepage, uh, initially the the top left corner, what we see there, kind of in that top left corner, has definitely changed. It's definitely uh, not the same as it was uh, previously, and what they really have changed more so than anything else, and I'll I'll kind of tap into that, you know, for everyone here, uh, you know, maybe that you're watching live, maybe that are, are are curious how we can kind of think about those things. Really, what you what you're you know, noticing is that they've actually adjusted where some of the data lives, right? So now up under the name of the project, there is the how many items are in the collection. Next to that is when it was created. Uh, so this one was created May uh, of 2022. And then it shows the creator fee right? So this is the first time we're seeing creator fee extremely visible um, in the uh, right there on the homepage. So I'll explain why that's an important one and something we have, just have to think about with that. Um, and then if you drop down below where we've, we've normally seen the data, now we're seeing total volume, floor price, best offer, which those three things um, have always existed there in that, in that interface, maybe a different order, but they've always existed there. But there's two new um, data points that are presented differently to us and the first one is percentage listed and then percentage of unique owners. Now I will tell you for, for many of us, um, you know, this is not new data. You know, many of us use tools uh, like Gem X Y Z, for example, that would oftentimes give us a lot of this data um, that we see that you know is kind of being presented to us here in uh, you know in the the Open Sea interface. So we used to go to other tools to to look at like what were the total you know number of holders and and what is the percentage uh, of holders. But what I think is more important than anything is that now this data is going to be surfaced up to every individual that is buying or selling or or, or transferring, uh, you know, NFTs uh, on the platform. Now, with that being said, you know, not only DYODR, right? Do your own damn research, as we preach here um, on the podcast. But we also have to, to to remember that no two collections are exactly the same. So it's, you know, this is where we can get a little bit of a gray area for those that are thinking about this. You can't compare the exact, so you can't say, if this percentage is less than 3%, it's a great project. Or if unique holders is over 50%, it's a great project, right? Those kind of blanket statements are what most of these, like, vanity influencers are doing because they don't know how to do their own damn research and they just assume because Bored Ape is something or CryptoPunks is something or Azuki is something something that that is the, the benchmark. But there's some things that we have to take into account. One of them are, is going to be the data that we don't know is impacting some of this information that we're provided. And one of those things could be staking, right? So for a lot of projects, we've been implementing this staking concept, right? We've, we I did a whole episode on what staking is, why projects are doing it, what you think about it as an NFT creator what you think about it as an NFT collector. But just remember the idea of staking in many cases is that people are locking in their NFT into another contract for a certain amount of time, which without question, Re- removes them from being listed right so now that percentage listed is of, of course going to be go down but in some contracts and this is where things vary sometimes these uh these nfts are actually removed from like the the unique ownership perspective right so if people are actually if the nfts are transferred and they're no longer in someone's wallet well now there's not a a, a number of unique wall owners is going to be different right because if, if let's say, 50% of us stake our NFT and they're all sent to one contract, well, now that percentage of unique uh, owners is going to definitely change because it's only going to be the unique percentage of owners based on those that have not staked their NFT. So very important, um, you know, kind of characteristic there. But it's also something that we have to just take into account that there are some of these numbers that are no longer, you know, it, we look at them a little bit differently than we have in the past, right? And and I remember, you know, early on, someone came to me and said, Brian, shouldn't you need, like the best projects have unique ownership um, closer to 100%? And you might think that, but we also have to remember many of these projects projects have built their model where that secondary volume is important, right? Because they're getting their creator fee every time there is a transaction on the secondary market. And if there is a massively high number of unique owners, more than likely, that's not many people that are going to want to, you know, let's just say they don't want to sell or, or transfer their NFT because they only have one. So having a a nice balance of people that are diamond handing one of those NFTs versus some people that have, let's say, three and five. And and of course, you're going to have some, you know, almost every collection is going to have that whale whale percentage where let's say they're maybe they hold uh, someone holds, you know, 50 or 100 um, of a certain collection. So you might be asking, Brian, like, how can we figure some of these things out? Well, one of them is that you're going to want to compare total items in a collection for what the collection actually has as an offering, right? So um, I will tell you, for some collections, they're actually showing us this data um, in the description, and and it's actually why I wanted to use um, this one uh, that I put on the screen for those that are watching on video, because right there in the top line of the photosynthesis collection, it actually says, this is a collection of 4,444 3D generative PFP flowers on the blockchain. So what that tells us is that that item number that you see there 4400 is the total collection amount right? So there aren't some that are staked. There aren't some that are on another blockchain. And and yes, that is the case. Like if I went to the Care Bears collection, right? Care Bears collection only shows the the amount of the actual collection that have been migrated to Ethereum. If people are holding Care Bears on the Recur platform or the Recur marketplace, they're actually not listed into that total number of items. Therefore, they will not be factored into the percentage listed. They will not be factored into the percentage uh, of unique owners. And so these are all things that are important for us to really you know consider and understand. I'm going to tap back into that in a minute, but I wanted to cover a couple of the other things that we've seen um, that, that OpenSea has changed. Um, one of the things that they've changed, which I think is, is, a, is a beautiful change, and they did it very much like Launchpad on Magic Eden, very much like Launchpads on a lot of these platforms. So now that projects that are minting that are launching on actual OpenSea, they actually can have their own landing page now. And so the one we're looking at right now on the uh, on the video is OMG Kirby. And so this is minting in one day, one hour and 49 minutes. You can scroll down, you can look about the collection, you can check out the team, you can do a little bit of FAQ about the project itself. Um, and you can see some of the dates, even what the mint schedule is and, and, and uh, you know what the project all is, is all about. And then, of course, they have some samples. And some you know th- things about like kind of the roadmap and the, the overall project. Now, many of you have heard me say many, many, many times that I really love the, the Magic Eden platform. And one of the reasons that I love the Magic Eden platform is because they had this launch pad um, capability and this design. Kudos to OpenSea for embracing it and leveraging it. Excited to see this. Now remember, these are this is only for projects that are launching on OpenSea instead of using a, 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 a third-party DAP or actually, you know, using uh, a minting uh, experience outside of OpenSea, right? So this, this, is, this will still be limited, in, I'm sure, in use, but for those that are minting, you know, leveraging, um, you know, the OpenSea platform, it's no longer just randomly placed, um, on, uh, on OpenSea. It's actually, you know, given their own, uh, collection. And they've actually even, if you look at the top of their homepage, they've actually even highlighted this launch pad, um, you know, uh, out there, you know, ra- right at the top of their, of their interface. Now, one of the other changes that they made, which I thought was uh, was beautifully done, was they also added a trending uh, tab to the actual. Uh, you know, it used to be for the stats; it would just be the the top collections. They now have a trending one, right, where you can actually see the projects that are currently trending. Now we don't know exactly what data um they're they're using for this trending. Um, you know, some of some have referred to this that this is probably very curated by the OpenSea team, which. Rem- Remember, anytime there is um, there is human curation involved, there is going to be um, biases, sometime, sometimes known biases, sometimes unknown biases. So just be very aware of that, that they might be promoting or celebrating projects that are launching on their platform as trending more so than others. I don't know that. I don't want to jump uh, to conclusions. But, you know, it, I do like the idea that we have more um, than just the kind of traditional data um, that we've seen in the past. And then we've also seen, you know, with what OpenSea is doing is that not only does this new drop experience um, allow for this, uh, you know, launch pad where better storytelling, but they're also, you know, you're able to mint with drop, which of course is their new kind of open source, um, you know, component. This is also going to factor in the new open rarity um, that OpenSea uh, rolled out very uh, recently as well, which I, you know, I have to give them um, definitely their, their flowers for, for doing so, which I think think um, is a really you know neat you know they did a really great job on um, you know all of those things and what are possible. And if you want to just go over to OpenSea blog, if you want to read more about some of the things that they've done, you know, feel free to do so. Um, I got no skin in the game as far as OpenC, um, and I, but I'm just a big fan of supporting um, you know projects that are, are you know in software and, and companies that are willing to innovate, willing to um, push the limit, and willing to ultimately um, you know adapt and add features and functionalities um, that make us all better. So. Back to that uh, that interface that I was talking about at the beginning, in regards to you know the data that is now available to us that has not been available in the past. So you know, we, I mentioned that we have total items in a collection, we have the creator fee, which is what I'm going to talk about now, and then we have percentage listed and percentage of unique owners. Now, percentage of unique owners is also a data point that is going to fluctuate how old or how new a project is, right? So if I'm looking at the uh, Atari project, uh, which sold out uh, just the other day, uh, yesterday, kudos to the, the uh, Atari team. They had, I think they sold out in about 20 seconds. Um, the mint price was like 0. 0.195, which um, was impressive that they sold out uh, you know, that quickly at that uh, that amount. But they have a 78% unique owners with 16% listed, right? So that's actually a, a pretty high amount of people, uh, of percentage listed listed but they also have a high amount of unique ownership but we also have to remember the collection is less than 24 hours old so that's just one that we want to you know, we just want to keep that in mind because that you know for the most part there's a lot of people that jumped in there at the higher mint price they were probably just looking for like a 2x return so i wouldn't be surprised as we get closer to reveal day if that number of unique owners goes down but same with the number of listed now as soon as the reveal of the art happens, we also know one of the trends that we've seen is that the floor price will probably dip, the amount listed will probably increase, and then we'll just kind of have to watch that unique ownership uh, number uh, across the collection and, and see what that does, you know, as a whole. But it's definitely something that we want to, uh, you know, kind of keep an eye on and, and just kind of one of those things that we want to manage and, and, and think about. Now, you might be asking yourself, OK, Brian, get to the point when it comes to, um, you know, what is the data that's matter and how is it going to change um, some of our, our user behaviors? So one of the things that I'm just going to point out, and this is just, uh, you know, this is just some hardcore truth that we just have to, you know, kind of own um, in this entire uh, you know, journey that we are all on uh, together, is that the, the thing about data, the thing about, um, you know, information that we are using is that. If you want to leverage that data as a strategic advantage, if only the degens are looking at that data, you're really only competing with degens. And what I mean by that is, you know, if if you want to, you know, buy and sell on rarity, right? And you want to get like the rarest NFTs, people will say like, you know, you got to snipe the floor. And now the average person might be like, "Well, why are people That are why are people selling very rare NFTs right after reveal for um, the floor? Why are they putting them on the floor? Well, it could be because they just need the liquidity and they want to sell it, but more than likely, they're not aware that it is rare because they're not using a third-party tool like a gem.xyz or a rarity sniper. And that might be a great thing, right? For many people, they're like, ooh, I love that the newbies aren't using that the same data as us. It allows us to snipe rares and, 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 and jump on um, certain things um, in certain ways. Now, I have to give credit to um, the Stoics, which is a project that um, I minted myself, one that uh, I'm a big fan of. One of the things that they did that I thought was really genius was... They actually rolled out yesterday at 10 a.m. Eastern time the reveal of the art. But prior to the reveal, they let those of us that minted one of their NFTs vote on if we wanted the metadata to be hidden for the first 24 hours of the drop. So today at 10 a.m. Eastern time, the metadata for each um, of the revealed nfts will actually be revealed for everybody to see well why did they do that well they let us vote and i remember you know gabe who is the is the artist behind the project he put like hashtag art wins because ultimately what that means is people are buying and selling during that first 24 hours not based on that percentage a property is in the collection rather either implied rarity, right? Many people are looking at like the whole collection and saying, hey, there's only a couple that have four eyeballs or there's only a couple that have this background. Or just because of the art that they like, right? And so, if you're loving something and buying and selling and trading, trying to find your forever PFP or the art that you actually love, then there's a good chance that you'll just kind of you know scroll through the the, the collection and do that based on without you know the actual rarity um, being available. Now, of course, once the the rarity is there, it also enables bots. Um, a lot of people are using bots these days. You know, unfortunately, we just have to own the fact that you know bots do exist in our um, in our world and often. Oftentimes those bots are programmed based on the percentage of a property, right? If a property is below 1%, the bot automatically makes an offer at a certain amount or buys the NFT at a certain amount. So by actually... the Stoics actually holding that data back, it actually maybe prevented some of the bot use cases, but it also just kind of, I love their innovation. I, I tip my hat to anyone that's willing uh, to innovate um, in regards to um, the way that we are you know, doing art reveals, the way that we are doing uh, you know, collection drops. I think we need more people that are willing to uh, kind of change the way that we are um, presenting some of that information and data. Now with the Stoics, this is a very interesting one where it has 5,000 pieces in its collection, There is 31% unique ownership. I believe that number... Two days ago was closer to 50%. And there are 8% of the collection that is listed. Now, I will tell you, it minted for below 0.1. I believe it minted at like 0.08 or 0.09. I picked up one on secondary for 0.12. The current floor, even after reveal at the moment, is 0.38. Now, it'll be fun to watch what happens at 10 a.m. this morning on that project. Because once the metadata is revealed, will the floor go up? Will the floor go down? I know... Just in the last 12 hours, the floor moved from like 0.26 to 0.38, which I thought was a very interesting you know, kind of trend and something that um, we just want to be aware of. But the piece of this that I think is also very important when it comes to some of this data, and it, and it goes back to what I was referring to um, a little bit earlier, and that's this point. You know, When you're playing the rarity game oftentimes we're using a third party tool right um to decide you know to to rank which which nfts are more rare than others and and for just clarity those most of those tools are free to use um if you want to like if you want to pay you you can get like um push notifications emails you you can get you know maybe shorter time frames of data right you can you can see what has been minted in the last five minutes instead of the last hour but just to be you know put it out there uh If you want to check out these tools, it doesn't require most of them, don't require an initial financial investment just to use uh, the basis of their tool. But let's tap into this other part that is very, very, very important. There is now new data that is presented to the average person in NFTs. So, with this new data and and the fact that the data is now available for all of us. More than likely, this is going to trigger some behaviors. So some people are going to look at unique ownership and make their own assumptions. Some people are going to look at number percentage listed and make their own assumptions, right? But it's important for us to also just recognize that those of us that are really doing our own damn research have to own that that data, depending on the collection, is going to be unique and different. You know, all depending, right? So if you look at Bored Apes, for example, Bored Apes have a 64% unique ownership and 7% of them are listed. So 64% unique ownership, 7% listed. That's probably one that people are going to go check out and look at as like um, comparison. Let's look at OK Bears. And, and uh, shout out to OK Bears. Um, they just received a massive round of funding from a um, an agency. Uh, yesterday they announced they're really the first uh, Solana project. Um, I, I know Dust and uh, d Gods got um, some funding for their Dust Labs. But this is like the first project that... That has been picked up by um, a, uh, let's just say an agency um, that is a talent agency that is putting ones out there. But let's say for example, OK Bears. OK Bears is a 10,000 piece collection. They have 50% unique owners, but 0.3% of them are listed. Now, you also have to take into fact this is a Solana-based project, and with Solana, there are different marketplaces, and different marketplaces are going to provide different data in different ways. That also is going to uh, be something we have to factor in with other projects that are building their own marketplace, right? So in some cases, this data is going to present and say, wow, this project has barely uh, any that are listed. And a, a good amount of unique ownership, man, this project must be amazing. Well, what you might not know is that there is a lot of them are listed on an internal marketplace on their website that are, that is leveraged by by just them. Cryptochicks just launched um, their own marketplace. Shout out to Cryptochicks and um, what they're doing over there as far as innovating and, and some great things that you know I'm excited to see where a lot of those things you know kind of go and, and, and what they're all about but. You know, these are just the things that we just have to, um, you know, really, you know, take into account and and, and think about as we are, um, you know, kind of going into, uh, you know, th- these different scenarios. So, with more data, doesn't often come more educational um, decision making, right? And so, I will just say, like, I, I think we we need to preach, do your own damn research but also you know this is a fair game right and so one of the things you also want to know is that if you're if you're starting to see trends or things that are different than what we've seen previously it might be because people are are making decisions based on the new data that is presented to them, and in some cases, it's a misunderstanding of what that data can be all about. Lastly, that I want to just kind of tap in that I think is important on that interface that we just need to talk about is this idea of the the creator fee. Now, in the Solana one, where with um, OK Bears, it is actually not listed, which I actually think is an interesting um, uh, case as well. But the the creator fee is something that you know it caused a lot of debate. Let's let's just be um, real. Um, when one of the one of the newer um, market, it's not even called my marketplace. Um, one of the the swap uh, marketplaces came out and said that they were able to get around uh, creator fees. And then there was this big debate around um, you know are creator fees something that should be included in NFT projects. I am massively bullish and very outspoken that yes. We need creator fees. We, I wish they were baked into contracts um, at the immutable level, but they're not. But I do say that one of the things that I love to see is that the creator fee percentage is actually presented right next to when the project was created. So, like the Stoics, for example, which I was talking about with their unique uh, components, their creator fee is 10%. Now, I think 10% seems to be kind of the, the high end average. I think most projects are anywhere from 2.5% um, to 10%. As far as um, creator fee. Um, I know Board Apes is at two and a half percent, right? So their creator fee is at a two and a half percent. If I jump to a, another project, let's move to Renga, uh, another project that we minted in our collection. Um, their creator fee is at five percent. Um, they're actually showing unique ownership at 38, but they have a high amount of listed. 24 percent of theirs um, are, are listed, but we don't know why that is or what are, what's the inspiration for that listing. But if we're thinking about it from a creator fee perspective, for me this is another data point that I just want to I want to clarify, right? So the Stoics um is in an NFT project that has a creator fee at 10%. Now you might be like, "Well Brian, you know, if if a creator fee is at 10%" Is that going to, to turn people off? I don't believe so if you understand the 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 work and the, the artist behind the project, right? So I think depending on the transparency, depending on the amount of work that went into a project, I think that also depends on how much someone can get away with from a co- uh, creator percentage. Um, I've put out there before that I would love to see projects um, charge a less um less of a mint fee and then even have like let, let i would love to see a project push the limits right put a 25 percent creator fee out there um but charge you know, maybe do a free mint and take a majority of that percentage on, on the secondary now do i know if that's going to work no but i think there's some creative innovation wiggle room on how much the creator uh, fee is for the other thing we have to remember is that creator fee could be divided up to it could be sent to one wallet Or it could be sent to 15 different people, right? It could be the developer, the advisor, the artist, the founder, the VC company. We don't know what that percentage is being sent to. So I do believe this is a trend we're going to see is I do believe more projects are going to include in their OpenSea description who gets what percentage of that creator fee. And I will tell you, for me, the more transparency in the description of where the creator fee is going... The more leniency I will have for giving up a higher percentage fee, because remember we're the ones that pay that, right? So when I, if I bought uh, Renga, for example, on the secondary market, Renga is going to take uh, you know five percent of that for themselves, and of course OpenSea is going to take their two and a half percent that they take for buying and selling on on the OpenSea marketplace. So technically, seven and a half percent of that is going of the sale price is going to not me, the person selling the NFT. Which now, if I was selling one of the Stoic NFTs, and I and I do currently own one of them, that percentage creator fee is ten percent, right? So it's me ten percent plus that two and a half percent that OpenSea charges um, for you know their percentage fee. So these are just things that we have to factor in. Now, I, I as I said. For me, if we, if I knew that the team is dividing it up and maybe a percentage is going to charity, a percentage is going to the artist, percentage is going to the founder, a percentage is going to the the team as a whole or the advisors, um, I'm much more likely to be okay with a 10% creator fee, but if I'm unsure and I get like a unsure feeling of, uh, of a founder and I'm like, man, they're, they're, they're giving me that like money grab vibes, I'm going to tell you I'm I if, if a critter fee is at 10 percent and they're giving me that those vibes where I feel like they might be um, more in that money grabbed uh, sense of the place there's a higher likelihood of me not buying that NFT project because I know that I'm going to lose a heavier percent when I sell it. So not only do I have to sell it above, the floor or above what I bought it for, but now I need to sell it 12.5% higher because I need to make sure to cover all of my fees and all of my costs. So definitely just something that we need to keep in mind, something that we need to put out there just for all of us to, to kind of better understand. So more so than anything else, I do just want to say, you know, a lot of people complain and bitch and moan about OpenSea. And rightfully so, right? Some of the amount of money that they were collecting, with the lack of customer support, the lack of management of uh, of, of uh, stolen wallets, um, the lack of transparency and open communication, and even the lack of supporting the community for a good while, um, was something that was lacking. I will say today right now if you're following them in OpenSea they're continually doing um, updates whoever is running their Twitter account is much more engaged they're retweeting um, projects and collections that aren't just in their uh, you know, OpenSea ecos- uh, economy um, they're, they're doing some really great jobs and so I think if, if we are going to be as a community if we are going to hold products and services and people accountable for the things that we hope that they're doing let's also take it upon ourselves to celebrate when they innovate when they listen to us because far too often we bitch we moan we complain we want 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 and then a, a product or a service gives us something and we're just like well it's about damn time and here's the truth if that's how we treat them Why the hell would they innovate? Why the hell would they give us what we wanted if if we're not willing to celebrate when they are taking those steps forward, when they are innovating, and when they are doing things um, in what we believe is best for the community? So I tip my hat to the OpenSea team. Uh, Kudos to them. If anyone on the OpenSea team wants to come on the podcast and talk about some of um, the innovation, some of the things that they have coming down the pipes, that is an open invitation. I made the same open invitation uh, to the team over there at Magic Eden um, that if they want to come on the podcast, they can as well. Um, you know, we are, you know, it's for me, I have no skin in the game, right? There's no stock. I don't own any stock or I'm not, uh, uh, you know, funding uh, in OpenSea or Magic Eden. I'm not an ETH maxi or a Solana maxi or Polygon maxi or I'm, I'm not a maxi in any sorts. I'm really in this about the community and, and ultimately, hopefully, leveling up as we go. And so, of course, got to give a shout out to our sponsor, the Crypto Business Conference, happening October to the 9th to the 11th in beautiful uh, San Diego, California. I will be giving a keynote on day number two of that event., um, and I will be talking about, you know, really nine use cases and lessons that I've learned buying an nft every single day for a year and funny enough that event will actually be one month left in our mint 365 project so literally we'll have one month remaining on buying an nft every day for a year uh today we are will be buying a mint 314 so 314 days in a row we've done a podcast we've bought an nft and of course we are going to sell that entire collection as a mosaic collection um, on november 11th uh, of this year so stay tuned for more details on that. Uh, And of course, uh, excited to see so many people at the Crypto Business Conference. Uh, We do have merch available for those that want to get merch. Uh, If you buy it right now or in the near term, um, more than likely you're going to be able to get it delivered to you uh, prior to that event for those that are coming to the event. They also have an on-demand version. Uh, If you can't come to San Diego, you can uh, buy a ticket that allows you to consume uh, all of the content um, online. And lastly, I'll just say, um, we'll be taking a snapshot of those that have bought merchandise um, in our community. right? We have, we have gated merchandise, but we also have public merch that is available uh, for those that are interested. Uh, and we will be taking a snapshot as we're working uh, with another team and another project to provide something really cool and unique that I don't believe any NFT project. I sure as hell know that no podcast is using this. Um, And it's something that you'll be able to um, use and leverage. Uh, But the only people that are going to be able to take advantage of it, especially at the start, um, are those that jumped in and bought um, merch. So you could buy, you know, we have hats, we have hoodies, we have fanny packs, uh, we have long sleeve t-shirts. We have ones that say NFT 365. We have ones that say DYODR. We have we is greater than me. Uh, We even have a little bit of show you care. So uh, definitely check that out. I will include a link uh, in the show notes. But, uh, you know, another, you know, today's, yesterday was NFT day. Um, today, I, you know, I just want to say, like, I'm excited for what this space is is building, what everything that's happening right now. And, you know, if we start looking at the innovation, we start looking at some of the macro trends, right now, we are making strides to make the NFT a better space in the future. And so as the market turns around, as the economy, the world economy turns around, I believe the NFT space is, I mean, arguably maybe 10x better than it was three or four months ago because we have weeded out a lot of bad projects. The tools are innovating. We're starting to reward innovative strategies for for projects. And uh, to me, this is exciting time. So as always, my friends, do your own damn research. This is not financial advice. And until tomorrow, make it a great day. Cheers, friends. Cheers.
0: The Mint 365 Collection 100-Day Countdown is on. We're counting down to November 11th when we'll auction off all 365 NFTs as one collection, including a custom mosaic of all the art. Want to bid on this one-of-a-kind Web 3 time capsule? For details, keep listening to NFT 365. If you found this helpful, let us know by leaving a review. Like, subscribe, share, and do all of those good things. We are greater than me and as always, this show is not financial advice, so do your own damn research.